Hey guys, welcome to the third episode of Unmuted Generations. I'm your host, Ryan Meal, and today we have on a very special guest. Chelsea Connor is the CEO and founder of Kismet Cacao. She's also an expert when it comes to nutritional science and a thought leader when it comes to meditation and breathwork. Today we're going to be talking about nourishment for the mind, body, and soul. So stay tuned, and without further ado, please help me welcome Chelsea Connor. Chelsea Connor, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on. I really, I really, really appreciate it. Of course. I'm super excited. Yeah. And before I really start going into, you know, asking you questions or whatever, I'm I'm gonna do a shameless plug and and plug House of Nourishment in because if you aren't following House of Nourishment on Instagram, guys, I, I encourage you guys to follow it right now. They have some uh great tips on just you know, staying spiritually, mentally, and physically healthy and just stable right now during this whole coronavirus situation. So shameless plug for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, it's kind of funny, actually. I guess you probably don't even know this, but for everyone listening, Ryan actually knows my little sister and my little sister, Kaylin, and I actually started House of Nourishment together. Um, so that was kind of just like a little creative outlet that we wanted to have where we could just talk about life, talk about things that nourish us, um, whether it be like creative projects that we were doing or meals we were making. And we kind of were just doing it in between both going to college at the time. And it got a little overwhelming for both of us to kind of have a creative outlet during things like finals and all of that. So we ended up um, kind of putting a pause on it and she decided to step away from it, which totally respect. And I decided, you know, I think that we, I still want to share this kind of stuff. So I'm going to just, after I finish college, I'm just going to double down and I'm going to share what I believe is nourishing, not just for myself, but also for so many people out there who I think could really benefit from just feeling grounded, especially in 2020. But um, back in, you know, 2018, when I really decided to go, a little bit harder on um, Instagram. I just knew that I needed something like that and others must have needed it too. So that's kind of how it became. Um, And slowly but surely, it's gone from being mostly uh, nutrition because that's what my major was in college to all things nourishment because I think there is so much more to feeling good um, in our bodies than just eating good. It really... Is so much more than that. So it's turned into like a space for meditation and breath work and cacao, of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> with all the things. No, I completely agree. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I feel like most of the, the the most genuine things start off as a creative outlet when you don't really have an intention of, you know, this is what my end goal is. And then obviously it turns into so, something so much bigger once you, you know, put the work in. So so props to you and your sister, who I know, Kaylin, through it. Mm-hmm. And I, you touched on some points with, you know, 2020. I mean, I'm sure uh, everybody th- agrees that it's not the best year so far. You know, there's a there's been a lot that's happened. Um, but I think 
there is something that's really good that you're preaching and that, you know, we see a lot on the news right now. It's negativity with coronavirus. Uh, obviously, there's issues going on, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality. And it just seems like every morning we turn on something and the news is kind of preaching, hey, right now, you don't deserve to be happy. We're in a state of panic. You should be panicking and working hard because that's the only way you'll get out of this panic. Mm -hmm. But the difference that you really preach on your Instagram is saying, hey, you do deserve to be happy. You deserve to nourish your body and mind and soul. And it's not going to be through working 12 to 15 hour shifts. It's going to be through taking these tips, meditation, breath work, and nourishing yourself and, and self-care really. So mm-hmm. it, it, that's, you know, it's, it's awesome that you're preaching that. Totally. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, personally, I kind of just stepped away from the news because I think it is really important to be informed, but I also think it's really important for any kind of change or any kind of um, challenge that we go through as people it's really important to just kind of go within and make sure that you're getting grounded, make sure that you're eating the foods that make you feel good and perform well. And just kind of coming back to your intuition, I feel like intuition still seems a little bit woo woo or kind of like hippie sounding to a lot of people, but it is more important than ever because without intuition, it's so hard for us to watch things like the news or watch things going on in the world And be able to, one, be empathic or have empathy for things going on, but also to be able to say, is that true for me? Like, is that, is that reasonable? Do I need to be in panic 24-7 right now because of a virus that's going on, you know, throughout the world? Not to say that it's not serious. It's for sure a serious thing. But I think just coming back to our intuition, coming back to that voice within, um, getting out into nature, meditating, like I said, eating the foods that make us feel good. All those things are so important right now. And those are the things that are going to help our immunity pretty well too. And they're free. So we might as well. Oh, yeah. Especially, yeah. especially the food aspect of it. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of people think Whole Foods is really the only place you could get organic foods mm-hmm. and that they're ridiculously expensive. But there's so many health benefits to actually finding organic foods at places uh, that are considered niche. And then also on top of that, they taste way better than preservatives foods. So do you have any tips in regards to, you know, whole foods selection and, you know, what to eat during this time to keep your immune system up? Yeah, so I'm definitely no doctor and um, I'm not really a practitioner to say or a professional to be giving any kind of medical advice. But as far as just food um, and finding good quality food, I think first and foremost, yes, organic food can be more expensive. And it is something that I totally want to acknowledge not everyone can afford at all times. So I think it's really awesome to take a look at the Environmental Working Group, EWG, they have, um, they publish, I believe, every year a new updated list of the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. And essentially what that means is they pick 15 fruits and vegetables or produce that are essentially cleaner as far as pesticide residue goes. So they're going to be the produce that sprayed, you know, less than most of our produce and would be okay to purchase um, non-organic if that's not something that fits your budget. So I really like that they do that and they make it more accessible for all people. 
to understand, um, you know, how much things are sprayed. And then, of course, the Dirty Dozen is going to be similar, except that it's the 12 most highly sprayed with pesticide um, produce. So I like to give people that tool or just send that along their way so that they can at least use that as kind of a guiding light when they're shopping. Um, I think the most, I don't know if I'd say the most important, but a very important thing that anyone could do if you have access to a farmer's market, that is one of the best ways to assure that you're not only getting um, probably food without many pesticides because it's a local farmer growing your produce, but you're also going to be getting fruits and vegetables that are in season. And when fruits and vegetables are in season, they actually have way more nutrient density. The full, like when we hear that oranges have vitamin C and, you know, different vegetables have different properties to them. That is true when they have, when they're in season. So when they're in season, they're at their full potential essentially. So it's really important that we eat by the seasons because it just, again, ensures that we're getting the full nutrient profile from that produce. So farmer's market, huge. Not only is farmer's market shopping huge for the actual nourishment, um, nutrition aspect of things, but you're also giving back to your community. So you're giving back, you're paying the people who are passionate about growing vegetables and fruits and maybe animals, and you are supporting them. So rather than, you know, shopping at Ralph's or Vaughn's, these big store names, which totally okay as well. Um, it feels really good to be able to give back and support the people in your own community. Yeah, that's so that's so interesting. I actually didn't know that. So if you get like an orange during, let's just say the orange's peak season is mm-hmm. during the spring, but you get an orange during like a, win- a winter season, mm-hmm. that means that the, the orange won't be as nutrient dense as if you were to get in the spring season? Yeah. So, well, first of all, if you're growing oranges on you know, on your land. Like if I were to grow an orange tree on my property, not spraying pesticides, just growing it as nature intended, it's literally not going to bloom in the seasons that it's not meant to bloom. So oranges don't bloom in summer. I'm not going to get any oranges off that tree during summer. That's just how nature works. So we see oranges in the grocery store in the middle of summer. We're like, wait a minute, how the heck is that possible? So it could be really two things. It could be that it's coming from a place where the temperatures are at a place where oranges can grow, or it is being manipulated by, um, you know, GMO crops. And most likely it's that one. (laughs) Yes, pretty much that. So when you're dealing with that GMO and just human manipulation when it comes to produce, it's just you have such a higher potential to be getting a piece of produce that has been compromised and is not the way nature intended it to be. So, yeah. That totally makes sense. Um and then also you brought up a great point about the farmers market. You know, I I feel like we live in a society right now where obviously uh it's almost like there's like a, a food ranking, you know? Like if you go to like a, you know, maybe a niche store or a farmers market, a lot of people don't think of that. People think, hey, let's just use Instacart and let's go get our groceries that way. Whole Foods has like the best fruit. Like those are the most nutrient dense regardless because they're Whole Foods. So we have to go to Whole Foods to buy our fruit or hey, don't buy the don't buy the fruits at Ralph's because you know, they don't they don't look good today. I, I hear so much of that. They don't look good, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to get it. But 
No, you you give a uh, great point because if you go to farmer's market, you're getting fresh air most likely, uh, which is great for you. You're getting vitamin C from the sun and you're also supporting your local businesses. You know, they need you during this time. So that's great advice. Great tips. In terms of like uh, fruits and veggies to eat right now, what are some of like the main ones on that on that uh, list? So right now, even though our oranges aren't really in season, that has been the one thing that I found myself craving the most lately. And of course, we know that oranges are high in vitamin C. That's an awesome vitamin to have on hand during times of a virus. So when immunity is important. Um, so I really like oranges. <clears throat> and um, I do want to mention before I go on with the rest of my list that I used to be one who was kind of afraid of the sugars in fruits like oranges and just kind of believed the narrative that fruits of high sugar are the same as candy. Like they're the same sugar that you would get in white sugar. And the fructose, the fructose yeah. aspect, right? Exactly. And after years of experience trying low carb, trying sugar-free diets, all the things, I have come back to realize that fruits are here on purpose. It is a part of nature. And those sugars, while yes, we probably don't want to be downing a gallon of orange juice a day, oranges and the fructose inside of them are so great for us. So I just want to inspire people hopefully that if you do feel a little bit afraid of having a whole orange or a whole apple, it is totally okay. If your body is craving it, it's especially okay because it means your body probably wants the nutrients inside of that. So just wanted to say that because I have been there where I did not want to eat fruit that was really sugary. So now when my body says it wants oranges, I go and buy oranges. And I love that. Delicious. So Love oranges. Um, I'm also really trying to lean into, um, this is actually not produce, but kind of falls into that farmer's market category. I am really liking eggs because egg yolks in particular are just so full of so many nutrients like choline, um, so many things that we are likely deficient in. So I really love to get my eggs at a farmer's market if possible. I actually have chickens at home as well. So thankfully, I'm able to get eggs from my own backyard. But you want those yolks to be orange or as deeply yellow as you possibly can get because that is a good indication that there is nutrient density in that egg. Um, and then as far as other vegetables go, loving onions and garlic right now, both are super high in nutrients super great for not only our digestive system because they're prebiotic fiber, meaning that our gut microbiome, the good bugs in our microbiome can actually feed off of the fiber from onions and garlic and really help to keep us regular. And if anyone has heard before, the gut is deeply, deeply connected to our immunity as a whole. So it's really great to make sure that we're having prebiotic fiber um, which basically just means fiber with all of our meals. And that's something that vegetables are great at doing for us. So yes, onion and garlic. Um, I'm also loving leafy greens. I personally just started growing uh, rainbow chard. Yep, rainbow chard. And that's been a really fun one. I like to saute it and have it with eggs in the morning. Sometimes I'll have spinach. Um all the greens. Those are awesome. They are high in magnesium. 
They're actually high in so many vitamins that we are kind of not aware of, like things like potassium. We hear that bananas are really high in potassium, but actually greens are super high in potassium too. So just so many nutrients that I'm sure for the average person to be hearing about, they're just like, okay, another vitamin. But having all of these nutrients in our daily life is so important to creating the whole picture of not only nourishment, but immunity in a time like this. Yeah. So you're a gardener, you're a farmer, you're you're a thought leader, and you're also an, an entrepreneur. So that's well, awesome. Try. And, and <laughs> you brought up so many great points. And and one thing that I'd like to just key on is that you, you were talking about, you know, in terms of nutrients, organic foods really, really do help. But I feel like one of the fallacies in our society today is that, you know, our society is very number driven and they believe, hey, our calories matter more than, you know, the amount of nutrients. I don't want to eat 2000, more than 2000 calories in a day. And that's just not it. Because if you eat 2000 calories or 2500 calories of extremely healthy food, that's nutritious for your body. That's helping your gut flora. That's giving you all the right vitamins and minerals and nutrients you need. Then that's way better than, you know, eating 1500 calories and eating like a bunch of processed foods. Totally. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more with the whole idea of calories and them all being um, kind of equal. Uh, just to give an example of this, there's someone close to me who's in their early 30s. And a few years ago, they were eating pretty much all non-organic foods, of course, no judgment at all, but um, they didn't really like to cook. So they would mostly just eat, you know, oatmeal, uh, skippy peanut butter, <laughs> skippy peanut butter on white bread as sandwiches, um, maybe some eggs here and there, and really almost no diversity in produce. So just kind of keeping it, you know, still very carb heavy, yeah, very carb heavy, <laughs> which is okay. But you know, just the quality wasn't there. And yes, they felt full every day. Yes, they were probably getting about 25,000 calories a day, but really not feeling that good. Um, they ended up developing all sorts of health problems, couldn't figure out why, um, lots of problems that would not seem related to like health or your nutrition at all um, without giving too much information away, but just so many issues. They ended up going to um, a few specialists, a few different doctors who basically told this person that they had the health of an 80-year-old man. And in your early 30s, to be told something like that, it could seriously sound irreversible, right? Yeah, no, that's scary. Super discouraging. Um, Everything that they tried wasn't working. It just was getting worse and worse. They could hardly even hold a job. All of the things. Um, And this, you know, before all of this, they had a job. They were able to survive. They thought that they were just eating, you know, to get full. Um, They didn't have a lot of money either, so they were kind of eating this way as a way to save money. So eventually, actually about a year ago, they decided, you know what, I feel so horrible, but I'm going to try one last thing because I don't know what else to do. So at the time, they were on a variety of prescription medications for everything going on that was really just kind of band-aiding the symptoms. And they decided to start eating healthier. So when I say healthier, healthier is kind of a vague term. I don't really like actually, but they decided to eat more fruits and vegetables. They decided to 
throw out the Skippy peanut butter and switch to like a natural peanut butter and organic peanut butter. Um, peanuts are actually really high in mold. So it's really important to have organic peanut butter if you can help it. So that was important. Um, switch out the white bread and eating more things like brown rice and quinoa and all those sorts of things, more root vegetables instead of just white bread as their carb. Um, still eating oatmeal, but dressing it up a little bit better with butter. So getting some of those healthy fats. Long story short, they also started drinking more water, getting a little bit of movement each day. Every single symptom is gone. That's awesome. That's so awesome to hear. So, those are one of those stories you see on like Facebook showing yeah, like the right? <laughs> journey. Literally, I had the age of an 80 year old and now I'm, yes. I'm have a six pack and everything. <laughs> totally. And I'm here to tell you that that person definitely has a six pack. So it's been quite incredible to see that transformation just for that person, because of course, I'm aware of the way that food affects us. I changed my diet back in like high school. So I've been hyper aware of this kind of stuff for years. So it's a little bit harder for me to see the direct impact of things because this is just how I'm used to feeling. But when someone close to me goes through such a dramatic change in a year's time, it just more than ever solidifies everything that I'm passionate about. It's just like, wow, this is incredible. And this is available to everyone. Not to say that food will cure every one of all their symptoms, but we do have, you know, things from nature, good water, um, the ability to move our bodies, most of us at least, and we can really feel differently in our bodies if we choose to. So it's really exciting. And thankfully, due to all the changes that happened and with doctors um, working alongside doctors, he was actually able to get rid of all of his medications as well. So today, totally med medication free um, and a totally different person. So pretty crazy. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I, I think also, and and I'm I'm very optimistic that our society is hopefully turning more uh, turning a cheek more towards that health trend, you know, um, for example, like the whole food stores, they increased from 275 in 2008 to around 500 right now. Organic food sales have doubled and even though it's still a pretty small percentage, they've doubled. And I feel like, you know, with social media, there are a lot of people who are preaching like yourself, eat organic, eat healthy, you know, and, and um, during this time, you know, really just keep your physical body like a temple. And yep. take care of that temple. And in addition to like all the foods and everything, I, I think personally, it, it's not, it can't just be foods, you know, like a lot of people, they're physically healthy, but mentally they could be unstable because they aren't getting social interaction. You know, they may have a family member that's sick, or they may have stress from not having a job and being furloughed. And I personally believe, I mean, you go into some things on house of nourishment, whether it's meditation breath work or just motivational messages. And I really think that meditation is like such a big thing right now. And it's getting a little bigger. It is getting a little bigger with like mm -hmm. apps like Headspace. But I think that, I mean, like personally, I, I've seen a couple of your uh, meditation videos and they're awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought this up because as you started talking and transitioning over to talking about meditation and stress relieving tools, um, it just totally reminded me of so many other things that go with nourishment, like I mentioned in the beginning. But um, yes, so of course, this year has been a little bit more stressful than usual. Um, I personally have really 
actually in March when everything started to close down, we were starting to become quarantined. So many changes were happening that I would say all of us have never experienced before. I definitely went into a stage of panic for a short period of time. Um, It's scary. It's very hard to navigate something that we've never navigated before, especially as a whole entire planet. So, yeah, I mean, everything in the US, they're saying, hey, you know, half of the people may die. That's like freaky. That's like apocalyptic almost, you know? Totally, totally. And not to mention, we've been told for decades that the world's going to end. So Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Somebody needs to make a movie about it first. So, (laughs) Totally. Totally. So anyways, um, before I dive into breathwork and meditation and all of that, I just wanted to mention that When I, like I said, I started eating better when I was in high school. So towards the tail end of my high school experience, I decided, you know what? I think I need to eat differently because I don't feel good and something just didn't feel right. And I, I had never really believed in, um, you know, eating things like Cheetos and all of that was right. Like there was just something off, even though I did eat a lot of that younger when I was younger. And that's completely okay. But I just started to think like, you know, I kind of want to make things with more fresh ingredients and I want to share them with people I love. So that's how I started to eat well. However, there were lots of other things that I know I needed to tend to within myself as far as, you know, emotional things, um, getting a hold of my stress or not even getting a hold on my stress, but just um, acknowledging it really. So there were so many other things But by first meeting the layer of, hmm, maybe I can eat a little better. Maybe that'll help me a little bit. That was like the first layer of the onion that I was able to approach and slowly peel back. And now at 27, I'm able to, now that I have that kind of figured out, or at least I'm in some sort of flow and groove with it and I understand the basics, I'm now able to be like, okay, what else can I do? What else can I do to make sure that not only am I feeling good in my own body and taking care of myself, but also so I can help other people? And so I, or, and what else I can do to help other people feel good other than just food? Because I started to realize I actually interned or kind of worked for a doctor a few years back who was more holistic in um, her approach. And she had lots of people with um, more severe cases. So, you know, everything from cancer to diabetes to all the things. And what was really interesting to me is that she was treating people with not only supplements, but she would help them create a better diet or a better, um, just better ways of gaining nourishment. And she also addressed their emotional state. And that really blew my mind when all of that was a part of my experience and I got to just see that go down and I got to see people heal. And so now at this age, I realize, like I said in the beginning, nourishment is so much more than food. So that's kind of how I catapulted into this like space of meditation and breath work as well. Cause two years ago when I graduated college, I had no idea that I would be meditating on Instagram live (laughs) with hundreds of people. Um, That's not even something I was interested in. So, you know, going back, like I said, in March, when I started to kind of panic and I just thought, what can I do? 
I actually did what I knew I could do, something that I knew I could start eating well. So I went to the grocery store with my mask and my gloves on and I bought vegetables. That's pretty much what I bought, which is so funny because when quarantine started, all the staple foods like the rice and the oats and all that were all sold out, but the vegetables were all there, at least where I... Oh, yeah. No, same over here. I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm based in SoCal, um, right in Orange County, and oh my gosh, you couldn't find a bag of Cheetos anywhere. Yeah, it's just like you know they're either selling them on offer up or they're hoarding, and they're saying, oh, you know, I know I should be eating healthier, but they just taste so so good, and I'm stressed, and I need this. I need this. Totally. And I totally hear that on the stress piece too. I my default is stress eating as well, so I totally hear that. Um, and I think it's really important to give ourselves some of those comforts without going too deeply into it. But um, yeah, I just realized, you know, I'm going to grab some vegetables. I'm going to cook some good food because that is something that I do know I have control over and something that I understand at least a little bit. So I started to eat better. And then I said, okay, what else? What else can I do now that I have this? And for years, I had been kind of like hearing this voice in my head, which sounds kind of weird. And I am not someone who is like super spiritual and like hears things in my head all the time. Your sixth sense. Yes, my sixth sense, my intuition, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, But for years when I was in college, I would get this like almost like a epiphany that would just pop in my head that would say, oh, my gosh, I should try breath work. But the weird thing is when I would get this um, epiphany, I didn't even know what breathwork was. And at the time, I was so busy in college, I was just thinking, "Mm, I do not have time to go learn something new. So I just always pushed it back, pushed it back. So finally, in this moment in quarantine, when I said, what else can I do? I finally was like, well, I've got all the time in the world right now. So I guess now's the time to learn breathwork. So I just started diving in and searching for Anyone who taught breathwork, trying all the styles that I could, I ended up coming across Wim Hof. I don't know if you've ever heard of Wim Hof. Wim Hof, for for those of you who don't know, is (laughs) a crazy man, but he is a very intelligent crazy man. He's the guy who he like he soaks himself in like ice cold, like he literally like jumps into ice cold lakes and he does this breathwork and he's fine because of I don't even know how. Yeah, he actually did a study. I will try to not get too detailed about the study because I don't know it well enough to be telling all the details. But um, he actually was able to conduct a study, I believe, with Stanford. I think it was about 10 years ago or so. But he ended up training a group of individuals, his breathing style. So I think they did like the ice bath immersion and they did this breathing style. He trained all of them. And basically what they did under doctor's watch is they had a well-known virus basically injected into them. So it was a staph virus, which was widely known for being, I think, like the cold virus or something like that. I don't want to claim something that it wasn't. But anyways, they were all injected with something that should have made them sick, right? So they all got injected. And then there was a control group that didn't know any of Wim's techniques, and they were also injected. All the people, including Wim, who had this breathing technique, did not become sick. I know. That's insane. Almost unexplainable. So what he really wanted to do was just say, look, I'm not crazy. 
there's science to back this up and I'm going to show you. So slowly over time after that study, it's just become more and more clear through science why his technique works. And it really just goes back to our nervous system. Our nervous system is the system within us that controls that fight or flight sensation. And then also the um, adverse of that is our rest and digest. So it's actually technically called the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. When we're in a stage of stress, we get thrown into that fight or flight because our body doesn't know the difference between running from a cougar and not eating a meal that day. Um, it's all perceived as stress and it's all perceived as a, as a threat to our survival. So when we go into that fight or flight state, our body immediately takes, um, takes all the things it needs to do to respond to that stress, which of course includes things like cortisol or adrenaline um, to be able to just handle the stress within our body. So when we are in that stressful place and our body is starting to adapt to the stress so that we can survive the situation, it actually will stop performing certain tasks and only focus on the ones that have to happen in order for us to stay alive. So essentially what that means is that when we are in a, a state of stress, our body is actually not performing at its full capacity. So things very, very small things, that, but very important things like certain um, responsibilities that the liver does and certain hormones that we need to be produced on a daily basis will actually stop being produced to the level that they need to be produced to make us feel well. So for a small example of that, our adrenals, which are located on the top of our kidneys, they produce something called cortisol and adrenaline, like I just mentioned, um, they also play a part in creating the hormone progesterone. For women, progesterone is extremely important for our menstrual cycles or for our whole cycle, the whole month, really. When we are in a perpetual state of stress for longer than 30 minutes at a time, our body starts to steal another hormone that is used to make progesterone to instead make more cortisol. So we are directly stealing that hormone to um, address the stress. And later down the line, I'm sure many women might have noticed this, but maybe your period during March, April, May, June was a little bit worse than it normally is. And that could be because your progesterone was low. Estrogen was running high because there was a lot of stress trying to be processed during all of the things happening right now. So that is a very like sciencey way to look at things. But essentially what my focus has become just in these past couple months beyond food is really regulating that nervous system and getting back to safety within the body. Because we could be eating the best foods on earth and it's still great to eat good foods when we're um, stressed, of course. But we could be eating the best foods on earth and we might not be getting the full potential of those foods if we are in a constant state of stress. And stress does lots of things like I just explained in the body. But one of the things it does that I think a lot of people don't know is that it pretty much depletes our magnesium. And magnesium is so important for so many things. Without magnesium, we 
so many things. <laughs> yeah, but- <laughs> and 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 by so many things, it, it just day to day function, really, yeah. just day to day function. Over energy processes in the body require magnesium, so we're pretty much magnesium deficient all the time if we're stressed at all in our life. So then imagine, you know, three or four months of pure stress during something like this quarantine. It's it's going to be hard for our body to bounce back, right? Yeah. So I think it is so important to try, at least try to give ourselves maybe just a minute of meditation a day. And that's still hard for me too. I I really would like to say that I do my 20-minute meditation and breath work practice every single day. And for a little bit, I did, but it's hard. And it's okay if we can't do it every day, but if we can at least do it when we remember to, it will make all of the difference. I I totally agree. And and in terms of magnesium, um, just for people listening, where where do you get magnesium from? Like, how could you, if we're magnesium deficient right now, how could we get more? So. A great source of magnesium is leafy greens, like I mentioned earlier, very high in magnesium. Um, Also chocolate or cacao, rather. Um, I personally drink cacao every single morning, so I know that I'm getting a little bit of a magnesium boost from that. Um, There are many other things, but essentially magnesium is so important in our body that we need quite a bit. I do prefer to get nutrients through our food. And you could Google all the other foods that magnesium is in, but you could also try a magnesium supplement if you know that you're going to be experiencing a very stressful time. So personally, I really love magnesium glycinate because because it is so bioavailable or easily accessible for our body to absorb. So I personally like the magnesium glycinate. I get mine from Claire Labs, Claire with a K. Um, You can find that on Amazon or just on Google. But any magnesium glycinate is a great option. I would recommend taking it at night because it will make you a little bit sleepy. And it's also great if you experience anxiety. Anytime I feel some anxiety because it is something that I sometimes struggle with, I will just take a little bit of magnesium and it almost takes the edge off immediately. So that's usually where I go for magnesium. I'm going to have to get some after this, but, uh, and you know, you, you brought up so many great points. And I, I think the main one is, is, you know, this meditation and breath work, what really what they do is they, they help stabilize your mind and your body. And it's something that, um, we, we kind of touched on it at the start of the podcast, but right now we're being told, Hey, we're in a state of panic and we're, when we're stressed, we can't operate at our full capacity, but if we practice, you know, meditation and breath work, it will help us. I mean, it's, it's clinically proven and it, it, you know, if you, I hear so many things saying, Hey, breath work and meditation, that's just like closing your eyes and breathing. Why yeah. would I try that? You know? No, it's so funny because I really felt the same way. Like when I was discovering what breath work was, I think that's why I was resistant to it too, was I was just thinking, how could breathing change anything? Right? Like it was kind of the same idea of, how could eating an apple a day keep the doctor away? Like that's too simple, yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I almost didn't really believe it. And I'm the type of person who wants to experiment and try things in order to believe it for myself. So what I ended up learning is that our breath is 
extremely important when it comes to regulating our nervous system. And our breath and different types of breathing can literally turn off our fight or flight response and put us right into rest and digest, which is such a powerful tool for all humans to have, especially in a time like this when we are quite literally triggered by many things on a daily basis. Can you go a little more into that when you say a, a couple different types of breasts? Because if, if I hear that and I'm just listening to this, I'm like, I'm just, I only breathe through my mouth and my nose. That, yeah. That's it, you know? So this is kind of interesting and it's something I'm still learning about um, as far as types of breathing go. But breathing through our nose is extremely important because breathing through our mouth doesn't actually activate our nervous system in the same way. So your nose actually has little hairs in it, as I'm sure everyone has noticed, which helps to filter the air that we're breathing. And as we know, our air today is a little bit compromised. So it is really important to be breathing through our nose when we can especially when we're sleeping, which of course is hard because we're not conscious when we're sleeping. But learning to kind of train ourselves to breathe through our nose throughout the day can hopefully translate over to our sleep over time. Um, So breathing through our nose, super, super important. You're able to get a good whiff of oxygen that way really deeply into the belly area, which is super important for feeling that groundedness and taking off the edge of the fight or flight. And then you can breathe out of your nose or out of your mouth. Also, a lot of people believe in when breathing out of the mouth, doing so with maybe like a hum or some kind of audible noise. The hum has actually been said to activate or even really exercise our vagus nerve. And our vagus nerve is... I believe it's the longest or the largest nerve in our body, which connects our brain to our gut. So our microbiome, it's a very important nerve for helping us regulate that nervous system, um, digesting foods properly and lots of other things. So when, for example, like before a meal, I really like to do a few breaths in through the nose and an audible maybe hum out of my nose as I let the air out. And that stimulates that vagus nerve and gets my belly, my body prepared for digestion. Because when the vagus nerve gets activated, our belly knows, oh, time to produce enzymes because there's about to be some food and we're ready to break it down. Because I think when, actually, I don't think, I know that when we are stressed, our our belly does not think that its um, job is a priority because it thinks it needs to help us survive. So it does not think we're going to eat a meal, right? Because it thinks we're running from a cougar. So that's its natural defense is it shuts down. You can still eat, but it's not ready to digest. So when we can use some breathing, activate that vagus nerve, and then eat, our body says, okay, I'm safe to rest and digest, which is literally where that term comes from. So it's super important that we do that so that we are not only letting our body know that it's safe and it's time to digest food, but also those enzymes break that food apart that we eat. And when we break the food apart properly, we're able to actually absorb all the nutrients inside. So a lot of people that experience a lot of stress may actually experience a lot of digestive troubles as well because they're not digesting their food properly. 
So that's just one way that different styles of breath work can actually impact the body rapidly. And what's funny is just doing things like Wim Hof's breathing techniques. I would say every single time at the end of my breath work, my stomach is growling, like (laughs) totally growling. And I always just giggle to myself because I'm like, my body is so dang smart. (laughs) Like it really works. Wim Hof may be eating seven meals a day. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. So, I mean, I am not a breathwork facilitator quite yet. It is something I would love to do. But um, yeah, I'm not really a professional. And unfortunately, I don't know all the styles and how they all work. But so far, just the ones that I've tried, which have really been things like box breathing, something you can Google. It's super simple. And it's something that I do on my Instagram frequently. That's a really great one, especially for stress. You could do the Wim Hof method, which involves some breath holding. And breath holding is really cool because essentially Wim's whole style is putting the body under a little bit of stress to basically counteract the stress and to put your body back into like a resiliency space. So when you put a little pressure, put a little stress, but then go right back into safety, your body goes, oh, okay, I'm okay. I survived that. And it just builds the resiliency. So I really like that. That is part of his style. But there are so many styles of breath work. Yeah, Wim, Wim Hof's me- methodology is so interesting. And just the way he thought it up too. I mean, he's not a genetic freak by any means. He doesn't have anything special about his body. And we were kind of talking about it in the, the staph infection um, and, and the study that they did. Everybody's normal. It's just that the way he can, is able to control his breath and increases resiliency, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. Uh and and then in terms of, you know, um, I feel like there's a lot of people who kind of mix up the difference between breath work and meditation, because a lot of people still think when you're meditating, you are practicing best breath work. Is it something that goes hand in hand or is it something more more than that? Yeah. So I personally think that they go hand in hand. Um, I tried to do meditation for years and To be completely honest, I am just not one of those people who enjoys yoga or meditation. Um, It's hard for me to just sit down and like surrender and just be like slow and present. I wish. Have you ever tried hot yoga? I have. I used to do hot yoga. And I think part of me kind of felt like, oh, well, at least it's kind of a workout if I'm sweating, right? (laughs) That's that's actually the only time, um, you know, I could practice meditation in my room. Uh, but really, for whatever reason, I think hot yoga really helps me do meditation just because yeah. of the environment that you're in. You're in like a 100 degree room. Nobody cares about what you look like. You, you're just a sweaty mess and you're just totally. trying to focus on your goal. Totally. And I think it's really helpful, too, to be in a space with other people who are all doing the same thing. And I do love that about yoga classes is, you know, at the end when you do the savasana or kind of like a meditation you're all doing it together. There's really nothing else for you to do at that point. Your phone's probably put away. So I really do like that aspect. And I would assume that the heat probably um, kind of relaxes you as well. Um, So I did like hot yoga. However, I realized I was approaching it the wrong way. It wasn't about the workout. It was about removing myself from stress, removing myself from my phone and committing to something and just surrendering to being present in the moment. So 
like I said, meditation has not been something that was easy for me. Almost every time I tried it, I would just get frustrated and I would feel like it was a waste of time, which is so disheartening to say now because now I see so much, I see it so much differently. But essentially, once I figured out kind of what breath work was and how it felt and I started doing it, I found it really easy to, after my breathwork practice, go into a short meditation. Um, and so it started as a few minute meditation afterwards. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here in meditation for as long as it feels right. And it has now turned into where sometimes I sit there for 40 minutes, which is oh, man. crazy to me because that is not something I would have ever done before. I am, um, I guess our whole generation at this point is a little bit uh, kind of likes that instant gratification, likes that um, constant. It's a go, go, go mentality. It's constant stimulation, right? So that is definitely something I struggle with. So coming to a place like this with meditation has been huge, not only for just helping me see that I can be someone else than the person who's always being stimulated by things, but also just has made me feel so much better. So I really like, and like I do on my Instagram lives, I really like to do some breath work because we're not uh, directly putting ourselves into a, okay, now shut your brain off mode and be present. Cause that's a little bit hard to do if you're, you know, working or on your phone and constantly being stimulated to just all of a sudden turn off it's not easy. So when we're able to kind of distract our mind with, okay, instead of focusing on this, let's focus on this breath right now. And we're going to do a four count box breath. So we're going to breathe in for four seconds, pause for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, pause for four seconds, and repeat. It kind of keeps our brain active. So we are almost thinking that, okay, this is kind of like a game, or this is something that is keeping my attention at least. So you start to do that. And as you're doing that, your body is slowly understanding that it's safe, it can relax, and you just slowly kind of melt into that relaxation. And then by the end of, you know, maybe 15 minutes of breathing, you are so relaxed that going into a state of just presence and kind of turning your brain off, is not so far-fetched. So that's why I really like to do it in that way. And of course, what's so different about breath work and meditation is that with breath work, you're actively breathing. You're actively paying attention to your breath. There may be a count that you're following. There may be a technique you're following. Whereas meditation, typically, I will just sit there in complete quiet. Um, I like to do it outside. So I just hear the sounds of nature. And it's very normal if you experience your mind start to think about other things or the tasks for the day. I think that meditation really is not meant to just be this superpower where we just completely turn off for the whole five or 20 minutes, but it's actually a practice where we sit, we be super present, we try to clear our mind, and every time we notice it start to trail away, we just, without judgment, notice, become aware, and bring it right back. We just say, that's okay, but let's come back to the moment. So it's really just a practice of kind of teaching our brain to just be present because we lack that so much today. I totally agree. It's it's not just a practice. It's, it's an experience. And it's one of those things where you can't just, it, it's almost like if you've never touched a guitar and you're saying, I'm going to go play Freebird by 
uh, Aerosmith, I think it is, right? I don't sure. know, but I know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, but it's just like you can't do it. It's impossible. And it really takes a lot of baby steps, starting from breath work and then from there. And I think you brought up such a good point. A lot of people have this weird stigma that, hey, meditation, my mind just has to go black and I have to focus on this singular object. Mm -hmm. But really what it is, is it's just being in the present and knowing that, hey, there's stuff happening, but I'm just going to focus on my intention and be okay with everything that's going around me, shut my mind off, examine it and and stay in that presence. So I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And um, if anyone has ever tried the meditations on my page or wants to try them at any time, I typically will kind of lead the meditation with my voice and will kind of paint a picture of something to think about while you're meditating, which I find to be a little bit helpful because, of course, we can do the practice of where we just stay present. And when we notice our thoughts starting to trail, we bring it right back. That's a great tactic. But again, for some people, they need to start even smaller than that. And I totally understand that because there are days I need that too. So being able to listen to things like Headspace or there's a few other apps that I have, but where there's actually a voice that's kind of like leading you into this meditation and this picture that they're painting in your mind, it really helps sink into that. So if if you feel like meditation is still really frustrating, it's still something that's hard for you to do, I would encourage you just to find some kind of guided meditation. Exactly. And and if people are like curious, because obviously you, you've done your fair amount of research, um, you know, if I'm somebody who's like, hey, you know, I want to start meditating. Do I look at blogs? Is there like a certain school that you go to? Because you were talking earlier about the breath work. And I didn't even know there was like some type of breathwork certification that you could yeah. get. Yeah. So it's kind of funny because breathwork and meditation are, they definitely, definitely require like knowledge and um, some sort of skill, I guess, or familiarity with the process. Um, I would say breathwork is probably more along the lines of needing to know technique and um, there can be some health interactions that come in the way with breathwork. So that for sure is something you would want to receive education on, but there really isn't any standard for, you know, for example, if you're going to be a doctor, you have to go to doctor college, doctor school. That's not the correct word, but you know what I mean? Um, whereas with meditation and breath work, it's going to be a way shorter program perhaps, or a class. Some people do it in just a weekend. So I think that's really encouraging because there is no right way to do it, essentially. Exactly. Means, right? So it's more about just experience, um, understanding different types, and just doing what works for you. And I know that when I was looking at all the different styles of breath work, one of the reasons I wanted to try all the styles is because I wanted to find a style and a teacher that I resonated with. Um you know, just one that actually felt like it would work for me. And slowly, maybe I would try others down the road. But it took a while, like I probably tried 20 different kinds or 10 different teachers, until I found the ones that worked for me. So it'll be different for everyone. And I think that's the beauty of not having one specific curriculum or way or standard of how meditation and breath work should look, because it's going to be different for everyone. 
it's personalized. I mean, it's not like Western medicine where if you're performing heart surgery and you say, Hey, maybe instead of this, I'll do this. Yeah. It's, it's not going to work. You're going to kill the guy. But really? with breath work and meditation, you, you may even create your own process combining yeah. multiple processes because it, it really is different for everybody. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about it. You know, it, it's personal and it, it truly represents, you know, just being in tune with your own individual self. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of goes back to that idea of like, kind of reconnecting with your intuition because when you're able to hear your intuition you're able to hear not only cravings for foods and nutrients you might need but also you're able to hear hmm does this meditation style work for me does this breathwork style work for me for my stress levels for my life for the amount of time that I have to give each day so I think that's just another reason to kind of get grounded and listen to our intuition that's awesome so, so tips to take away, stay grounded with your intuition, yeah. eat some whole foods, you yeah. know, support your local farmers and, In season. and also, <laughs> yeah, you know, practice breath work and meditation. It works. Mm-hmm. You're hearing it from me and, and Chelsea. So yeah, we, are, we aren't experts, but it works for us. So, you yeah. know, it's one of those things. Yeah. One of the things that I love too, is like, you've combined all of those different methodologies and tips into your company that you started, you know, following your passion, um, Kismet Cacao. Yes. Yes. I know. We barely even talked about that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's almost been an hour, but yeah. So I actually started a business last year in October. Um, Not really the best time to start a business right before a pandemic, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) Better to start now than never, you know? (laughs) Totally, totally. Um, But essentially how that came about is I was in college, super stressed, drinking coffee all day long, pretty much skipping most of my meals as well because I just didn't have time and I just felt horrible. So of course you can imagine that's also why I found things like meditation and breath work and all the things. But one of the things that I became aware that I wanted to shift was my caffeine intake because like I said, I did not feel good. I was exhausted. I could not, I could not really walk without caffeine because I was just too tired all the time. And I remember one day going to my local farmer's market down in Orange County because I lived down there at the time. And I got to the farmer's market. I parked my car and I don't think I had had caffeine yet. Or maybe I had had one cup, but I knew I was going to get another cup when I got into the farmer's market. I parked my car and I sat there and I just cried because I could not believe how tired I was. It was the one day of the week that I had off every week, which is when I did all of my grocery shopping, farmer's market, meal prepping, all the things. And I just sat there and I said, something's got to change. I don't know what, but something has to change. So I started to get a little bit more serious about like eating better and making sure I was eating not just a couple meals a day, but keeping myself satiated throughout the day, kind of addressing my stress, but not quite so much yet. Um, And then I decided, you know what, this is going to be crazy and hard, but I'm going to try to go without caffeine for one week just to see how I feel. And so I stopped drinking coffee and green tea, which green tea is amazing. So is coffee. But I just needed to take a break for a minute. And I just started to Google alternatives to coffee because I love the taste of coffee, especially a latte. And I was like willing to try anything but I wanted to really stay away from caffeine, at least for the week. So I ended up kind of stumbling upon cacao, which is the raw um, 
unadulterated form of chocolate. So I was starting to read about it, research, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to get some raw cacao powder and mix it in some milk like hot chocolate and just see how it tastes. And of course, it's a little different from hot chocolate because it doesn't have the sugar in it and preservatives and all those things. So in a way, it was kind of like a healthy hot chocolate. So I started making that and it was delicious. I love chocolate already, but it was so good because it kind of tasted um, that like creamy bitterness that coffee has still with a little bit of chocolate taste to it as well. So the week goes by and I feel totally different. So much better. Not healed by any means, but way better. So I said, okay, this is going to be really hard and I'm probably still going to have coffee, but I'm going to try and commit to having this little chocolate drink that I've made more days than not instead of my coffee. So I just started doing that. And for almost three years, I did it every day. I eventually, within that three years time, realized I bet there's an even better cacao than the one that I have. So I started researching more. I figured out that there was something called ceremonial cacao. There was cacao that you could buy like by the brick. So it was like a brick of chocolate basically without any dairy or sugar. It was just the cacao alone. And so I started ordering all these different from cacaos from all over the world to try. And eventually I found kind of like a recipe that I really loved. So I found a wild cacao I mixed it with a little bit of lion's mane mushroom extract because that has been shown in studies to help with cognition, focus, memory, kind of the feeling and effect that I think most of us search for when we drink coffee. We want that like super focused energy. So I thought, okay, I'm going to add a little bit of that. I had some sea salt, some green leaf stevia, so some unprocessed stevia essentially, some vanilla bean. And I think that's it. So I just was like every single morning, like this little medicine man, like putting all of these things in my drink. And it would take me, you know, 15 minutes every morning, but it was so worth it. It was my ritual at that point. So I just started making it, started sharing it on social media. And people started saying, hey, where do you buy all those ingredients? Hey, how do you make this? So I would post it constantly. I would constantly post the recipe. This is where you buy this. This is where you buy this. And people started asking me, they would say, I don't really want to buy these large. I don't know what to do with a brick of cacao. Exactly, (laughs) Or like an entire order of lion's mane extract. They're like, what if I don't like it? And so I realized, okay, it is kind of an investment to go and buy all these, you know, separate ingredients. So people were like, could you just make me some and I could buy it off of you? Like make the mix and send it to me in a mason jar. And I was like, what? No. Like, why would you pay me to do that? Like you can do it yourself. thinking people wouldn't want to pay extra, right? And so eventually I was like, you know what, maybe I should just try. So I started making it in mason jars and just giving it away. Or I would even go to, I don't know, different kinds of gatherings and I would just make it for people. Like I'd be like, hey, do you have a blender? And I would just make it and start serving it up. And eventually I was like, okay, I'm going to make some cool packaging and a website And I know nothing about business, but I'm just going to try. And so that's exactly what I did. Um, It's been so much fun. It's been a little bit challenging because I'm still learning like how to ship things when it's hot and keep them from melting. That is something I'm trying to figure out right now. Just all these things that I didn't realize were a part of business, but the business itself has been amazing. 
That is such an awesome story. And it, it's one of those stories where you didn't go in with the intention of, hey, I, I know this product will make a boatload of money. Oh, yeah. It was honestly an honest, just, hey, I'm, I'm passionate about this. Let's see if people would, you know, like it because I'm getting a lot of people hitting me up. Totally. And something that I increasingly became kind of passionate about too was there is something that happens with cacao because of the way that the cacao tree is. It tends to like to steal all the nutrients from the soil that it's in because it's just strong and mighty like that. And it wants everything that it can possibly absorb. So unfortunately, because it does that, it does have a tendency to soak up things like heavy metals. Um, It also, in the processing of cacao beans, can become moldy because the the bean starts out as like a wet bean with fruit on it that needs to be dried. So there is also a tendency for mold with the heavy metals. And unfortunately... I do not like calling out businesses, but things like Hershey's, they are actually known for buying the moldy, bug-infested beans, and they just roast the crap out of them and make the Where chocolate. the mold just disappears? Yes. Oh, no. We don't really oh, no. <laughs> it really disappears, right? Because when we kill mold, we don't actually get rid of it. It just leaves its mycotoxins. So it's not really, it may be visibly getting rid of it, but essentially, yeah, companies like Hershey's, they just, they basically buy the leftovers. So they buy the leftover beans that the high-end chocolate companies don't want so that they can make a better profit, right? And there was just something about that that just hurt my heart. I actually went to Kauai two years ago and learned from a woman on the island how to make chocolate or cacao from actual cacao beans that they were growing on Kauai. And she's the one who kind of informed me of all these different things. And so just learning all of that, I realized like, wow, okay, I can give people the tools on, you know, make sure your chocolate is this and this and this, but it would be pretty cool if I could just say, you know what, just buy this. I'll sell it to you. You know, like I already did the work for you. Here it is. So now you aren't getting no more. (laughs) Yeah. But I, um, yeah, I really make sure to be in contact with the people growing it, making sure that there's testing done. Um, what has been really cool is the wild cacao, like I mentioned earlier, um, is the cacao that we use in Kismet Cacao. It is wild grown in Ecuador in the rainforest on trees that are about 80 years old. Some of them are younger, but essentially those trees have been thriving in the rainforest for decades. So they are strong, they are healthy, and people are basically not having to farm them. There's no pesticides involved. The water that these are watered with, since we know that cacao trees love to soak up all the nutrients, it's so important that they are being watered, or at least I believe, being watered with natural springs, rivers, lakes, things like that, that are natural to its environment. So that is essentially what happens with this wild cacao. Um, The people that I work with, they actually go and hand pick it from trees. They bring it back, crack all the pods open, they ferment the cacao. And then they stone grind it. They actually sun dry it as well, but then they stone grind it. So when they stone grind it, they are not exposing it to the potential of more metals being put into the chocolate from maybe metal blades or steel or whatever. So the stone grinding is also a tactic to ensure the integrity of the product. So 
yeah, like I said, it comes from Ecuador, which has been a little bit of a challenge this year, but it's incredible. I'm so honored and grateful that I'm able to share it with people. Um, Ecuador is doing an amazing job. I can't wait to hopefully go visit there one day, but it's pretty awesome. That's awesome. And and how, how long does it generally take to grow those cacao uh, beans to, you know, fruition during the season? A long time. So once a cacao tree is mature, it will start to produce, I believe yearly. I could be totally wrong there, but, um, it's kind of like grapes where it takes time to mature before it will actually produce um, fruit that you can use for things like chocolate. So I believe when I was on Kauai, they told me it was about 10 years until a cacao tree was mature enough to produce fruit that you could use to make chocolate with. I could be wrong about that, but I know like grapes, it takes at least five years to be able to mature the tree. So That's kind of the cool thing about um, picking cacao wild is those trees are thriving. They are producing plenty of fruit. Um, We're not taking anything. We're not taking too much away from nature. We're just picking a little bit, leaving the rest, and those trees are still thriving. And I think that's so important. That's awesome to hear. And in terms of like, you know, we we know now how you kind of your process and creating kismet cacao for everybody so like a company like hershey's then would they have a similar process but they would just use like additives and preservatives in addition to whatever cacao beans they buy yeah so i don't know their full process but i know that they are essentially roasting the beans at a high temperature for a long time to ensure that they're burning off all of the residual who knows what so um I guess from like a nutrient standpoint, I know that not all cacao can be raw. That's kind of a misconception when we hear about raw cacao. It's really not raw. Um, But I do think that roasting it to oblivion is probably altering the nutrient profile in the plant. Kind of like if you totally burnt your zucchini, it's not going to probably have the same amazing qualities that it did if it was just lightly steamed, right? So I kind of look at it that way. But then companies maybe like Hershey's or just a lot of the chocolate that's largely available right now has lots of things like conventional dairy. So dairy is okay, but dairy that is not treated well. Um, We're also going to have sugar in there, maybe some corn syrup, lots of preservatives. In fact, I can't remember where this was reported, but apparently in the UK they don't even qualify Hershey's as chocolate. It's considered because it has such a small percentage of actual cacao in it. I don't even want to know about white chocolate then. So white chocolate has no chocolate in it, unless you're buying it from a bean to bar chocolate bar producer. It's all milk and sugar. (laughs) Oh man. Well, it tastes amazing. But now, now that I hear that, that, that hurts me on the inside. That irks me a little too. <laughs> hey, you just have it around holidays or special occasions. It's not something twice a year, Halloween and Christmas. So there you go. There you go. Exactly. I, I love the fact that you just followed your passion just like that too. I mean, obviously, entrepreneurship is so important in our day and age. I, I feel like a lot of people are just kind of comfortable with just staying in a corporate level environment where they work their way up. But you actually following your dreams and 
taking it upon yourself to learn, you know, all aspects of business that, you know, could be incredibly hard considering the degree you graduated with wasn't focused around business. It was around nutrition. So how, how was that undertaking for you? Yeah. So when I was in college, I remember talking to some of my classmates and I was talking about how I was going to start a business after school. And at the time I figured eh, starting a business can't be that hard as long as I've got a nutrition degree, which now looking back, having a business degree would have been awesome too. However, so that was something that I knew I wanted to do. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. I genuinely thought I was going to be starting like a nutrition clinic. Um, However, at the time when I was having that conversation with my classmates, I remember having a few classmates who said, oh, I do not want to own my own business. I am way more comfortable just working for someone, having them tell me what to do, and that is good. And I think that was a really good conversation to have because I do think that there are some people who don't want to be entrepreneurs. And I think that's great. If you feel that you are being pulled to add to another company, that's incredible. And we need people like that too. But I've known since I was very young, I would love to start my own business. So with starting my own business, it's challenging. There's lots of roadblocks, lots of different things. It is so much more than just starting a business. It's really a personal growth journey. Um, It really tests every single part of you and shows you everything about yourself. So that has been the most interesting about this experience is I've learned more about me than I have maybe about business and maybe the business part is still coming. But um, what I think is so important about owning my own business is that I'm able to cultivate a community. So I'm able to cultivate a company that is maybe a little bit more conscious. For example, all of the shipping um, materials that I use are biodegradable. So I am passionate about helping the earth a little bit in that sense. Um, Just so many different things within my business that I'm changing. So of course, there's businesses like Amazon or Walmart or all these other businesses. That's not something they're really passionate about. And they're kind of more focused on the dollar, right? Yeah. Or the profit. So the, the dollar and the convenience for the customers, because that that's their, I mean, obviously you're, uh, they're advertising, hey, we could get you a product to your door in, in less than two days, maybe even a couple hours, depending on what area you're in. And with you, your, your selling point is really just saying, hey, you know, buying this is going to help you in terms of like physical health and possibly mental health, but also it's going to help the environment. Absolutely. Yeah. So it feels really good to be able to be providing just another option, another option that is helping the earth a little bit, um, reducing that impact of shipping and all the supplies that we use in the waste. And then also creating, like I said, a community, but a community for potential jobs in a business like this. So a business that is committed to being friendlier to the earth, producing a product that is intentional, has a lot of integrity, and is going to make people feel well, and having a space where people can come and join that mission. So those people who don't want to be entrepreneurs, but they do want to be a part of something that has meaning to it, that feels in alignment with what they believe in, with their morals, all those things, I am now opening a space for those people to come and join me on this mission. So I feel like it's really important that 
people who want to be entrepreneurs can create a space like that for people who don't want to be entrepreneurs. We can create a space with more jobs, with more opportunities to be more intentional on this earth. I totally agree. I totally agree. I love that. And I I love the fact that you said, hey, you know, if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, that's okay. Especially during this time with COVID-19, there's a lot of businesses that are suffering. They aren't getting, you know, their, their small business loans on time and they're shutting down and having to furlough employees. And if you don't want to take that risk on, then that's completely fine. You know, it's it's more of just like a preference. There's no right or wrong answer. But I applaud you for all the work you put in to create a company that cares about the environment, that cares about the human body and also tastes like really damn good in the process. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because I remember when I was starting this business and people started to notice that it was something people wanted to buy. And so those people were like, oh, let me give you some business advice. And I was like, okay. So many people were like, well, you got to do this and you got to do this so that one day you can sell your business because that's the goal. One day you're going to sell your business. You're going to make a bunch of money off of it. And I feel like that is a model that a lot of businesses follow, which is fine. But I realized in that moment, "Mm, that's where I want to be different. I want to be, like I said, not just a business this is a community. This is a passion that I have. And if I am ever going to sell this business, which I really don't think I will be selling, I'm going to hand it off to someone who has the same integrity that I do and will hold up all the values, all the integrity that I am holding up now, if not better. So I think it is kind of important that there maybe be some more entrepreneurs or people who are willing to take the risk and take on a business and really carry it through, not just to be sold one day for a high ticket price, but really to carry it through and to help people, right? Yeah. Don't make your business intention or business goal to be acquired by Google. You know, yeah. come in with good intentions and trying to help people out. So that's yeah. that's an awesome mission. Awesome, awesome purpose. mission. Yeah, it's so important we have purpose and we inspire others to have purpose too. Yeah, and a lot of that that a lot of that comes with entrepreneurship, you know, just kind of showing your purpose off to everybody. It's an awesome, awesome, awesome initiative. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on today. I, I really appreciate it. Um, is there anything you want to plug in except for Kismet Cacao and House of Nourishment and, and Magnesium right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm glad I gave Magnesium a little spotlight. It's so important. But um, yeah, I guess we will put a link for the magnesium if anyone's interested in it. Um, But other than that, just Instagram, that's pretty much where I hang out. I've kind of been taking a little break from Instagram because there's a lot of things personally going on in my life. Um, My doggies have been a little bit sick, so it's been kind of a full-time job. But normally I am on Instagram, House of Nourishment, every day. Um, Kismet Cacao is where I post all things cacao. If you are interested in joining on any of those breathwork or meditation Instagram lives that I talked about, we'll be doing more of those on House of Nourishment. So feel free to join. They are completely free. Um, Other than that, our website for Kismet Cacao is www.kismetcacao.com. And we'll include that as well. We are sold out at the minute and I am working on figuring out how to ship Kismet Cacao safely from the hot temperatures out here in Reading. Um, but that will be coming back very soon. And yeah, I think that's it. 
yeah, stay tuned, guys, for the Kismet Cacao. It will be coming back soon, and I hope uh, I hope everything's okay with your dogs and everything. Thank you. It's it's getting better. Yeah, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Well, anyways, guys, thanks for listening to this. Uh, there's been a lot of helpful uh, helpful tips shared, so I encourage you guys to share out this podcast on Spotify or iTunes or whichever medium uh, that you're listening to this on. Until next time.